Hey all, welcome back to Ground Game Workshops. Today we're here with... Ace Catano, how you doing? Pretty good. So today we're going to talk real-world examples, and we're going to talk about the impeachment march and rally that went down in July, because there have been a lot of marches to try and get Donald Trump impeached. Uh, but this is specifically one that Ground Game was involved with, uh, along with several other groups. So maybe you want to talk about the coalition that did that. Yeah, the, the, the main coalition partner was Indivisible 43, who uh, brought us on board to help out with just logistics and you know bodies and organizing and indivisible is a group that there's supposedly supposed to be one for each congressional district in the country they all kind of coordinate around congressional districts and congressional campaigns from what i understand they're they're largely uh organized around electoral and uh legislative concerns uh, and putting pressure on legislators and so forth. Uh, yeah, they, they're usually organized by congressional district or in some cases, you know, city or city or county, depending on what your demographics are. Uh, and some of them are more active than others. You know, our, our folks in Indivisible are uh, very active and much more willing to, you know, take steps and piss off legislators and, you know, do things. And so, some of the, you know, some of the groups are, are just writing letters to their senators and so forth. So some, so uh, they began the process of organizing the impeachment march, and they asked us to come on board to make sure that uh, local groups got representation and you know real meaningful grassroots issues got representation rather than just Donald Trump is bad. Yeah. Uh, so we had to you know th that's why that's why they hollered at us. So the march happened July second. When did the process of obtaining permits and stuff begin? You know, I don't know when they actually pulled the permits because the indivisible folks took care of that. So they had those, but they had that in planning and operation for a while. They had the proposed route, uh, and the, you know they communicated with the city about that proposed uh, parade route and you know the spaces that would be used and covered by the the permit. Mm -hmm. So that was done. This was a planned permitted action anticipating a large scale and really done by the book and and for the the parade route it went through downtown and sort of a circuitous but not super long route um and that required coordinating with lapd to like get those streets closed while we pass through to have a closed off place for us to have speeches and stuff like that and those logistical concerns exactly uh and with you know with an understanding of a time frame and so forth this was you know this was done uh, according to the rules right this wasn't a spontaneous action and it wasn't a it wasn't a direct action. It was a larger, you know, protest act. Uh, so uh, those permits were pulled. The, we drew up the plans of, okay, we're going to be going here. It's going to take about this much time. Uh, there was a discussion of who would speak. Uh, so there was um, represent. I know Representative Sherman, and some yeah. folks. There some. So there were some. There were some folks who were kind of like on the regular end of the this sort of thing. They. You know, I, I know Representative Sherman drew up articles of impeachment or whatever, so he had to had to talk. Uh, but we made sure that people were uh, getting time to talk about other things that were relevant to to Los Angeles, to Los Angeles, and to like actual functional resistance. So, and this kind of did a good. It, it did sort of the umbrella thing very well, where there were more progressive and not. I don't want to say radical, but more progressive and leftist factions as well as more centrist factions, um, and people all kind of coming together under this big banner to have their own to have their individual issues kind of all displayed at once. Right, and the the logic was also that uh, lots of people are mad at Trump, which is appropriate because he's a terrible president. Uh, but that also that there are a lot of other issues and problems happening in Los Angeles or issues that 
uh, are going to still be there even after he's gone or and there were, that were there before he was here. Uh, so, you know, things like environmental concerns, you know, corporate money, uh, immigration enforcement and so forth. Like those things are problems that uh, predated him and will continue. And so the part of the idea behind how we were operating this was, sure, we'll have a march about this, but let's also make sure that we're talking about these other issues that people are hearing about what's going on and thinking about how they can do something uh, functional to resist and to improve our city and state without, you know, short of impeaching Trump because that's a long shot. Yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it, when the, when the only solution is a political one and that party is in power, they're not going to, they're not going to shoot their own guy in the head. Uh, but it, this also, I think points to, <laughs> that was a, that was a pretty harsh metaphor. Either. I mean, you know, when, when, when presidents get impeached, we just retire them out to pasture and you never hear from them again. I mean, who hears from Bill Clinton? Right? We, we no. send, send them, send them off to a farm, yeah. uh, you know, the, where they get to run around lots of fresh air, uh, play with the other presidents right that's that's what (laughs) camp david summer camp uh but but uh what i was uh going to drive at was uh the point of this march wasn't just the march it wasn't just showing up and yelling i'm against this thing it was getting different groups together to be able to network to bring in new members to talk about like the the action's ultimate goal isn't just the action there needs to be something that carries that through right so you know that that was part of our uh, our logic going into it because we were, you know, when we were asked to get involved, we weren't saying, ah, yes, we'll have this march and Donald Trump will be impeached and everything will be fine. Uh, but, but there's a sort of logic in in using these sort of large events. And I think this is a thing that really gets, uh, that people don't adequately consider when they're talking about uh, protest. Like a lot of people say, like, oh, protest, oh, what is, you know, that doesn't do anything, like nothing. And that's can be true on a certain level that nothing necessarily happens with a, from a single protest um, but it can have like a larger impact in terms of the community of organizers in terms of people being brought on to do the work i mean to dive to uh, totally change tack here like a the after charlottesville uh, after um heather Heyer was killed uh, there was a spontaneous protest downtown uh, called like you know just you know, in I don't know I don't know who called it, but I know you know March and Rally was there, and DSA was there, and California for Progress was there, and we were there, and all these groups showed up on very short notice to protest, and there wasn't a person who was specifically being protested. There were no neo Nazis downtown at that time, at that particular moment. There was you know we we're obviously on the opposite coast, but the 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 act of that protest having that thing you know, occur on such short notice, uh, I think was very important for the coalition and for understanding who has your back. Well, and I think, you know, uh, a a good sort of general patent quote that I come back to a lot is that half of winning a war is the business of administration and the business of knowing who your people are and being able to get them activated. And this sort of focus we have on one turn, like one event thing happening, like the Women's March, and then that not carrying through into more stuff sort of shows the weaknesses of that, where we need to be focusing on each event being just another step down the road, that we're developing skills each time we do an event, a direct action, a a march, a counter-protest. Right, because one protest doesn't change anything. Like, that's correct. One protest doesn't change anything, but it's about a series of events, a series of uh, steps in organizing. And you know, so part of that is, like, having a large protest like this. You know, we were asked to participate... 
uh, even though it's not like our thing or our specific fight because what's happening in you know what's happening in Washington is an issue but ground game is primarily focused on what's happening in Los Angeles uh, on the ground and it's in the it's in the name uh, <laughs> but so but the logic was okay we can do this but this shows solidarity with a, a partner it helps us build a coalition helps us uh, reach out to other groups uh, that we might not necessarily contact it lets us uh, practice skills you know organize raise issues ensure that we have some control over the narrative of this march uh and making it about something other than just like donald trump is bad you know we can have a larger conversation um and so you know that that has a, a has a purpose that has a function for for me for us as a organizing group and for uh the the broader uh steps that we're taking to like unscrew everything you know so, um, yeah, so, and so something like a, a, a march or a organ, you know, these organized things is, is a useful opportunity to be like, hey, here's who we're with, here's who has our back, here's who's working with us. Cool. Uh, and now, before we get into the actual uh, day of the, the impeachment march, let's talk about some of the, what went into making that happen. So, as we've talked about in the first episode, like water, porta potty, security, uh, cattle guards, those sorts of things for blocking off streets and keeping everyone yeah. hydrated, and not dead, and on the same route, not getting run over by traffic. Uh, those cost money. So right. how how is that generally handled by groups? Is ju- they're just a, pat, a hat being passed around, or different groups making pledges about what they're able to do? Um, are we looking for donations? Well, in in this case, because of the nature of the the action, and because it's like a large scale thing. There, we had a social media presence. We were soliciting don- donations. We were contacting other people. We were making there. There was some merchandise that was made. It wasn't. I wasn't involved in that. But there was some merchandise that was made and sold uh, to raise funds to cover those costs. Because there's also, you know, there was a a truck. There was a sound system. There was a you know making sure there was water and tables and you know uh, first aid and so forth. Right. All the all those steps. So there was uh, fundraising to provide for that and then part of the process of leading up to this whole thing was uh you know getting the spreading the word some of it's organic but some of it's about having a social media presence and a social media push some of it's about having associated actions there was a a lead-up action which i think you were at right um which was at the uh trump golf course yes. uh people in costume uh dressed as uh gilded age millionaires and so forth uh appearing at the at trump golf course to to make a little bit of a public theater sort of protest we we, we disrupted brunch yes. um, <laughs> some of the the funny thing was about 30 percent of the people eating brunch loved it um the rest of them were just not so down but the trump national golf courses because of trump's position as president have now gained a weird status as semi-public places where they couldn't quite kick us out they could not let they could kick us out of the clubhouse but they couldn't kick us off the ground right. so knowing the rules of the space you want to occupy is really a really important thing right and so like having that sort of lead up action to because that got covered in certain media outlets and it had videos that got passed around a lot and played and uh, like that, the process of doing that, you know, that's a, another thing to support the, the final action or the final protest because it's part of the promotional process. Uh, and so then after that, you have preparations for the, the day of. You start stacking up, okay, you're signing roles. 
who are go- who are going to be your police liaisons, who are going to be your marshals. And like to describe that stuff a little, police liaisons are the people who are going to be in communication with the police. Uh, and it's this is actually like a really important role in all sorts of protests, even if you're doing something totally un like spontaneous and unpermitted. It is useful to have someone who is able to act as the person communicating with the police. And this has got a couple functions. One is that you create a channel through which all the communications or attention are being delivered. So rather than the police, you know, addressing each person and them, you know, potentially reacting in the wrong way or in inappropriately, all their communications are being funneled through the liaison. Uh, this has the effect of making sure that things are less likely to go sideways. It also has the effect of uh, slowing down the conversation, which can, you know, is a de-escalating process of its own because you, you, they tell you something, you take it back to the other group. They say something, you bring it back. You know, so that's... Sl- and especially if you're trying to run out the clock and get your, like, action over with before the police have a chance to move in, this can help allow you to keep the tempo and like keep yourself kind of in control and know what the police are doing. Right. And it, and it can prevent, you know, it can prevent situations from uh, escalating in the wrong way. And it can also be useful for, uh, you know, you can slow things down. You can make sure that the action continues and you can also sometimes, uh, you know, figure a, a person can negotiate with the police and figure out ways to uh, get them off your back or, you know, <laughs> you move things around. Uh, there was a recent protest at B.J. Turner's uh, in the West Side that was organized by DSA. I was acting as police liaison there because I know about the law. Yeah. So all the, instead of dealing with some of the folks in DSA who were feeling like a little more uh, willing to pop off, the police were dealing just with me, mm-hmm. and I was talking to them about the law in a very calm, measured way mm-hmm. and communicating back and forth. And so I, we were able to negotiate it so that they, you know, while we had the law on our side, as I've mentioned in the last uh, uh, episode, uh, the law on your side doesn't necessarily mean the police won't stop you or arrest you, right? So I was able, the process was convincing the police that the law was on our side and also that they should, like, we were going to do this in such a way that they didn't have any reason to interfere with it. So they allowed the camp out to uh, go all night. And if you were... When you're considering who to use for your police liaison, do you suggest having somebody with like a law degree, with some general knowledge of the law, or just somebody who's good at de-escalation? You want somebody who's you want some people who are good at de well. You want somebody who's good at de-escalation. It's good to have some knowledge of the law, but they don't need to know everything because part of the process is slowing things down. So people can go like somebody just because somebody's a police liaison, they don't need to necessarily know the law. They can say, well, let me go talk to somebody about that. Let me check on that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's more about. Is a person able to uh, be personable? Is a person able to uh, be disarming? Uh, are they able to communicate in a way that's uh, uh, for furthers the aim of the group? And, and I have to say, I've, I've having been involved with uh, LA's kind of underground bike scene for a long while. We have a, a kind of police liaison officer that we work with very, very well, whose name is ironically Gordon Helper. Uh, and office, <laughs> yeah, no, an, an officer helper is actually a really great guy. And what's funny is that officer helper officer found out. Officer helper. Yes, that's amazing. He's a sergeant. 
Sergeant Helper. Yep. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, but he he came to know us because when we were more underground doing party rides, the LAPD noticed this and was like, why are there 500 people clogging up the street on bikes? Maybe we should put a couple of undercovers in there to see what's going on. And Gordon Helper was one of the guys who got tasked with kind of doing intel on us and then realized, oh, these kids just like riding bikes and they're not bad or violent. They're just they're sort just of... They're just riding bikes. Yeah, they're just a little bit like looking to push the envelope, but not really like get in people's faces. They just want to ride and go do their thing. And talking with them has helped us throw big events around City Hall and stuff. So you don't always have to have a completely antagonistic relationship with the police officers like they're also just guys doing a job to an extent part of the role of a police liaison or somebody doing that work is to de-escalate everybody else can be antagonistic but the point of contact is one that's going to be uh, a de-escalating right um and figuring out how to push the envelope how to get a little more how to get like get the protest going a little longer how to get a little closer or uh, you know in and so forth um and you need protest marshals. I mentioned that you need people who are like throw on a reflective vest and are keep you know helping guide people around you know the the route. Um, in some cases, guiding them away from counter protesters. I know there were some uh, a couple Trump guys mm-hmm. who came out. Who well, well, there was actually a fun one. They they actually set up a free speech debate tent. Uh, at one point at the marching rally, which was really funny because it was just the most. Trump-looking supporters sitting in a tent with a camera, live streaming, and offering to debate anyone uh, about why Trump was good. Uh, most of that debate was just a white guy in cowboy boots telling you, no, you're wrong, and you don't understand Trump. But they were still allowed to, like, set up this tent, and the police kind of cordoned them off. Like, yeah. I had to go around a tree and, like, back way through a park to get up there to photograph them because the police were like, we're going to separate you guys. There were, there were a couple folks there. I remember— Spartan guy. Yeah, there was there was the Spartan. That guy showed up. My God, though I did I did see you know there were counter protesters and they were largely kept away f- by the police. Uh, the uh, police were very aggressive about maintaining that sort of distance. I I, saw, I, I, saw, I I walked by them when they were wrapping up and doing their whole little like hoorah, we're white nationalists sort of like thing. Like they were th- these were very like the actual politics of these counter protesters were somewhat arresting to me when I actually heard them talking. But there was like maybe four dozen of them in a park and there was a good 12 cops just standing around keeping an eye on them yeah uh, which was a nice change of pace because usually that's what they're doing to me well and as we've one thing that we've discussed on the last one talking about permits and counter protest is that you know having the a situation where the state is sanctioning a certain sort of action gives a gives the the protection of the state in a way that it doesn't for people who are opposing it and that that remains true uh whether the per- person with the sanctioned protest is anti-trump or you know anti non-white you know the the that structure creates uh creates an expectation of what order is and police are there to maintain order so if it falls within what they consider order then they'll they'll deal with it and if it falls out of that uh, they will deal with it very differently. It, it's it's good to know the bureaucracy uh, instead of just charging headlong in and fighting against it. Well, it's it's frustrating. Like it can also give you some advantages. And so let's talk about this a little bit in the context of actually the day of. So we all get together that morning in uh, downtown LA, and you guys had been setting up for a couple hours, I assume. Right. Uh, do you immediately start talking with the police? Do you immediately start corralling protesters? Like, how does your morning go? Uh, some well. We we all kind of distributed over the the route. Some people were handling 
the immediate marshalling and keeping people on the on the path and like keeping people on the parade route. Uh, you know, some people were on the truck, uh, you know, shouting and leading chants. Uh, some people were uh, coordinating with the speakers and keeping track of everyone who was going to be speaking and making sure they were all where they needed to be. Um, whoops. I, I, w I was, after the everybody gathered and had the first the first speech, speeches and first uh, talks at the uh, gathering point, I jumped in a truck and went to the end of the parade route. Uh, so you have people distributed across the whole thing. So for me, I was at the end of the parade route making, helping make sure that the people who were going to be, spe uh, be speaking were lined up, that the groups that were going to be tabling were set up, uh, and that the area where the protest was going to be coming to a conclusion remained clear. Other people were uh, distributed, you know, all throughout uh, the process. Now, I think uh, somebody from Indivisible was acting as police liaison, communicating with them about what was happening, where we were going, and I think that was a very uh, um, friendly conversation, like everything was like pretty well planned, so there weren't any sort of issues there. Um, but so you, ha you have to have make sure that people have their assigned tasks and that people know what their tasks are and that they're able to uh, distribute themselves. Uh, to get that done, because it's something like this actually takes a lot of people just to organize it. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a decent number of people, and you kind of realize when you're staring at a sea of people that take up a full city block and then some, that that's a lot of people to control. That you can't do that with just one or two people and like a megaphone. That you you need internal logistics and internal organization to make that happen. And then, so the the march goes on throughout the day. There's nothing too exciting about the actual marching. We had some very witty chants. Uh, there were a few counter-protesters along the way. One guy who really didn't like video games, which I was like, you're protesting the wrong crowd. Well, he didn't like Islam in video games. He was right there at the start. He and doesn't then, like Islam in video games, or he doesn't like Islam and also doesn't like video games? The second. He also doesn't, he doesn't like Islam and he doesn't like video games. Um, pretty much anything fun he was against. Uh, but for the most part, you know, the the <laughs> the, uh, the the route went, it, it seemed exactly as it, it was planned. Things uh, moved along, traffic was controlled, uh, the police escorts were visible, but not like overly um, oppressive or anything. The truck moved the way it was supposed to. People Nothing blew up, nothing broke down. Exactly. And so we then get to the end point which is sort of the the whole goal of the the march is to get to this point to see more speakers and to kind of have a chance to table and talk to people right. uh what's going on there towards the end of the march what so, are you thinking about well so what, what's what's happening at the at the end of the march is we're making sure that everybody who is going to speak is there there was actually a emergency situation there if you remember um there was a somebody from i believe national lawyers guild who was going to be speaking on immigration who had to drop out at the last minute um, and Killa from Ground Game wound up taking her place on like five minutes notice. So that was a, an adventure. Um, but uh, other than that, you know, everybody was there who was going to be there. There was attention paid to getting them on and off stage in like a, in a efficient manner. Um, and then folks were, we were making sure that like, the folks were set up and like to communicating with the other groups and like having conversations about what was going on and uh, what we were interested in as uh, organizers. Uh, so once we get to the end, then you have, you know, the when you're doing something, a, a march like this, it makes sense to have uh, a end point. A st you know, you have a start, you have an end. It makes sense to have something occurring at those points because you can't just have people marching and chanting forever. 
it's actually it's actually way tiring to be like you want to create like the best way to do an a, a protest an organized protest is to have some sort of start point and end point i know there was a time recently where there was an attempt by mayor garcetti and the uh the, the police to really whitewash the city's sort of immigration record and their immigration policies uh and we went and protested them with a bunch of other groups uh, that protest had a little problem, which nobody had figured out what the end point was. And so it went on and on and on and was extremely tiring. And people just like gradually lose energy. Yeah, people just sort of wandered off. And I think when it made it back to City Hall for like the third or fourth time, because they just kept going in circles, and they'd get yeah. back to City Hall and cheer some more louder, and then the group would get smaller and yeah. smaller. And so and you, need, you need to, it's good to have a start point, a process and an end and then you can have that when you have like a hard out or figure out a way to have a hard out then you can you know really come to a proper conclusion keep everybody's spirits up yeah. and so for uh for the the impeachment march and rally after we'd done all the speeches there was about another 30 45 minutes of kind of milling around like the protest isn't over yet time but then it officially wraps and everyone kind of gets the you know you you don't have to go home but you can't stay here sort of uh, vibe, uh, and then people start cleaning up. And you're the group that's throwing the permitted or has the permit is responsible for cleaning up. Like our, our group was very clean. That was the cleanest protest I've ever seen. I it, mean, the it was really march, clean. That was a... the woman's march. I got to say that was my biggest letdown was going back and wandering through downtown where people had just like taken their witty signs and just thrown them wherever they saw fit. So there was just like millions of pieces of paper and poster boards and other stuff just littered all over downtown because everyone's like oh well i brought the sign to the protest now i guess i just leave it here um and you should think about that too uh how to be clean how to be a good citizen um <laughs> it, it helps but uh once the the actual protesters have gone home and it's just like the organizers the people responsible what are you doing from there i assume they, you're coordinating with the police cleaning up talking to talk to the police they fill us in on you know they're like you guys are leaving yeah we're leaving like everything's done wrapped up you just clean up and go home at that point you know having a hard out is useful also as not just a not just from the perspective of keeping the people who are protesting like alive and you know feeling healthy but it's useful to have those sort of things as a de-escalation tactic too that's something that even if you're you you want to be thinking about even if you're doing something that's uh it's spontaneous or intentionally disruptive in the process of making an action happen, you, it's good to have an out because you need to get away at some point. Um, it's, you know, it, to bring it back to another one, at the at LAX, there was a period, there was a sit-in that was occupying a lot of the space in the terminal. Uh, there was a question of, like, how the hell do we get out of this? Because there was a, de well, no, there was a relevant, there was a demand to meet with the re representatives from Customs and Border Patrol. Those people had all left, so they weren't there. So there was this tension because we were demanding to meet with people who had run. So had, had they run or had they just gone home for the day? Or they, they actually they, literally were like, "I'm out of the office." No, they they'd like shut everything down. Like they, wow. yeah, they were. There were no the, the places you would expect to find them in the terminal. They were gone. So there, everybody was sitting in for this demand, and there weren't anybody to talk to. So what eventually? So uh, and you know the. You could see the police getting more tense. They were bringing in more people and didn't know what situation was going to happen. What wound up happening was that it hit the call to prayer. So everybody formed a barrier around the Muslim protesters who, in you know, did the prayer. Uh, you know, they went went through that process, 
And then when they finished, everybody just dispersed. And that acted like acting as like a out having is like a, a point and it allowed people to escape what otherwise could have been an escalating situation. Interesting. So, That's an interesting tactic too. Yeah. And so when you have like a hard, when you're able to, this goes to the negotiations and dealing with the police and deescalating these things. If you have like, if you say officer, we're going to be here for 15 minutes and then we'll be done. They have a different attitude than if you say, "Officer, I will be here all fucking day. <laughs> like we're, we're going to be here forever. We're but, never leaving Tom Bradley International Terminal ever. We're yeah. just going to be here. We we've set up some cots. Like they wouldn't like that. We 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 live here now. This is my house. Uh, welcome to my house, officer. I live here. <laughs> you know. So so having those sort of structures. Thinking about uh, what's the beginning of the action. What's the process? Like how do how are you meeting? How are you uh, getting your everything in gear? what's happening during it, and how are you getting out? How is it concluding? Like, thinking about those things in advance can be very useful, and that can, you know, that can help you avoid situations that might otherwise escalate. Because then they know that there's sort of a time limit on this thing, or they know that there's, you've, you've made, by saying, like, here's an, this is what's happening, here's the schedule, here's when we're leaving, or what something like that, you've given them an out, because they also don't have to do anything then. They're not really uh, desperate to uh, interfere or, you know, put themselves at any sort of risk or escalate things. Yeah. So that can be itself a strategy of de-escalation. So uh, let's real quick move beyond the protest. So the protest is over, but you obviously want to get some press for this. Uh, coordinating with the media, do you see that as something important, something ancillary? Like it, it, it depends what you're trying to. It depends what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any for the impeachment march and rally? Uh, Indivisible was taking care of that because they were the they were the primary drivers of it. So you know, with something like that, you can have your media contacts you can reach out to folks to you know make sure that the people who might be covering it in the media know who to get in touch with so that they're not talking to random people that's another thing you want people who are ready to speak to the media uh you want to make sure that people know what they're talking points are and they're not just going to open their traps and like say dumb stuff you, you don't basically want to like give jesse waters a setup for like look at how stupid these people are because they don't even know what the protest is about you want to try and cut some of that off you want to have a media team you want to have people that you would prefer speaking to the reporters right you want to have people who are ready to speak on the issue and you want people to understand people who are involved in organizing it that if they're not the person who is designated as ready to speak to the media on the issue to get that person rather than to just open their trap because people you know if if people are asked to speak off the cuff some people will say all the craziest things not because they think them, just because they're they're just speaking. Well, and also talking to a reporter can get very. Um, and, and I've done a lot of like live production and like man on the street like news stuff where I'm the person holding the camera, holding the microphone, and people freak out when they've got a camera in front of their face and they're not prepared or ready for that. Like it does take skills to be able to speak spontaneously to somebody like a reporter who might be looking for an in or who's got an ear where they're looking for you to just say the wrong thing because they also are doing a job that matters for ratings and making you look bad or dumb or out of control can can be a better story than like a bunch of well-reasoned people showed up to show their uh, uh, united opposition to this thing. Like that's right. not a great sexy story. You also, you also have to think of it sometimes that sometimes the reporters have not really thought through their questions. Uh, they will ask really broad nonsensical questions because they have, they were told, you go here, show up to interview these people. They don't necessarily have it all plotted out super well, especially when you're talking about 
like a local newscast or something. Last time I had to talk to the media at a protest, the question the guy asked me was, what was the protest about? <laughs> and how, <laughs> and how, do you, how, do you, how do you feel about how it went? It's like it, it's it. You know, obviously the guy did not have a great deal of investment in the actual substance of it. So he, you know, it, it wasn't like he came with a carefully prepared interview uh, slate of interview questions. But so like those sort of open ended things are kind of trickier to deal with for people. Mm. So. That make that makes sense. So uh, so I guess to to end on a very reporter esque question, uh, how, how you did f- you feel about the uh, impeachment margin? <laughs> God damn! I knew you were gonna do. Uh, I I thought it was uh, a lot of work. I thought it was a lot of goddamn work. It was a, a good time. It was useful practice. Um, d- learning to corral that many people or work with that many people is a is a skill and something that uh, I think taught me and taught us things that we have used since in 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 less organized context. But you know, having the having gone through the pro- it, it's sort of like if you go through the process of doing everything totally by the book you can kind of see where you can do things not by the book or you can like you can see the ways you could change that or use those skills in other situations so i think it was useful i think it was useful for us and i think it was a good chance to uh you know make some friends shake some hands and talk to other coalition partners and it it is very sort of like affirming i have to say to show up to an event and see like a couple thousand other people who are all on your same team like that that really is a nice kind of ego boost it makes it feel like hey this wasn't just me firing off at the hip or doing yeah it wasn't just me yelling in a yelling at a cloud yeah Yeah, angry public defender yells at cloud right exactly and it you know it was nice and to see that many people and it was good to get people into different roles. So you, when you do something big, you have to learn stuff. Yeah, because that's <laughs> that's just how it goes. Cool. So. so these are these are all skills that can be used later down the line, not just for like big protest marches, but even for smaller actions or for like just organizing yourselves along in regular activities because having sort of an idea and the ability to delegate and hold people accountable that doesn't happen overnight and that doesn't just happen by sitting down and saying like you're responsible for this and you're responsible for this part of accountability is actually showing up and doing that and making that stuff happen and that stuff has to be done through process it can't just be fiated into existence you can't just declare that somebody's going to be accountable for that. Those are all skills that organizations and people have to develop together. Right. And when you have a specific event or a specific moment or a specific thing that people are looking towards, uh, that helps helps organize people or learn to organize in a way that uh, just abstractly being responsible for something or doing something doesn't always get across. When there's a deadline, uh, it becomes much clearer how people need to, uh, how people need to be operating. Excellent. Well, this has been all very, very educational for me, even though I was, you know, part of some of this and (laughs) not part of some of it. It's good to see how different people in your groups think about stuff and act on stuff and also to understand that there's more than just you out there, that there's a lot of local organizing happening all over the place. And the best thing you can do is get in contact with those people and uh, and figure out how you guys can work together, figure out what you guys want to do, where your interests align and what you can do to sort of build that network more and more and more because the more people you can get showing up at stuff, the more you can validate your efforts, the more other people from the outside are going to be drawn in. You know, People have sort of a psychological bar where they'll see one person doing something, they don't want to do it. They see five people doing it, so they're like, oh, maybe there's something good there. So that's something to keep in mind that you, you aren't just 
trying to bully people into coming to your side, but actually offering them a reason to come over and join with you. Exactly. Cool. So thank you very much, Ace. Good to be here. All righty. Keep on fighting.